This episode of Nerd Cognito is brought to you by The Marriage of Demethro, courtesy of Adventure Delivered. Are you ready to start on a thrilling adventure that will take you on a huge journey through a grand manor full of mystery and danger? Join heroes as they unravel the secrets behind The Marriage of Demethro. Battle fierce enemies, solve puzzles, and discover hidden treasures. Will you be able to help Lady Lara save the day? Find out now and experience the thrill of the marriage of Demethro. Available courtesy of Adventure Delivered. Get your copy today on Kickstarter. Just search for Marriage of Demethro, D-I-M-E-T-H-R-O, or Adventure Delivered. It's a fast-paced, fun-filled adventure that we know you are going to love. From our friends at Cardboard Knights and Adventure Delivered. Now, on with the show. Welcome, welcome. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Ryan David, and I uh, want to welcome you to Nerd Cognito. Uh, boy, it's uh, it's been another tumultuous week. Hey, I promised no Watsy talk this week, and I absolutely am going to deliver. Uh, we've been inundated with all of the wizard's crap over the last, gosh, two or three plus months. It seems like it's been forever. Uh, but I'm going to deliver on that promise. No Watsy talk tonight. Hey, there's something else that's not here tonight, and that is Bert is missing in action. Uh, he had a commitment that he had to take care of. But uh, as always, I, and I can say as always, because the last couple of times Bert bailed on me, Eric Jensen, the daydream tiger himself, is sitting in as our co-host. Hey, Eric, welcome. Hey, Ryan. It's an honor to be here again. And I like that you tell us that Bert is somewhere. When you say Bert is missing... I get a little lump in my throat and I worry for a second, oh, but no, apparently no. he's somewhere. Just ignore the so. shovel in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bert is, is he had a family commitment that he had to, to go to tonight. So, uh, well, you know, you're here and that's, that's a big bonus. I'm always glad to have you. I appreciate it. So yeah, Eric, you picked a really good night to sit in as, as co-host, my friend. <laughs> I have great fortune with stuff like that. Uh, yeah, last time you joined us, it was for the, uh, the whole Hadoozy hullabaloo. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, uh, we got another barn burner for you. I don't know if, if you've been following all that is the drive through RPG slash one bookshelf and red room controversy that bubbled up this week. I've been following along. I probably haven't seen all of the comments or flames on Twitter, but I have the gist of it, and I've read the well, game. The, the the Sparkle Trolls came out in full force, uh, not only on Twitter, but on the platform. And to make a long story short, uh, our friends at the Red Room, uh, Miguel and Sylvia, were canceled and deplatformed over the Red Room's latest release, which they didn't even author. Uh, it was a... <laughs> kind of funny piece. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but it was a satire piece called Men that was a game that really all the way around tongue-in-cheek poked at toxic masculinity and feminism. <laughs> and you can imagine what the result was. Oh, absolutely. I actually had the chance to, to read through the game this morning, and it is chock full of stuff. Yeah, and you're going to have a, a Better chance to have some interesting insight because 
along with us tonight uh, is the Red Room. Miguel, Silvia, welcome to Nerd Cognito. Thanks for dropping in. I know the, the time difference is a mess for you guys, so I appreciate you taking the time to, to join us. Uh, thank you for, for your invitation. Uh, we've done worse. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's midnight. We have done interviews at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, well, you, you've done it three in the morning, yeah. right? I skipped that one. But actually, tomorrow I have a day off, so <laughs> it turned out to be the, the perfect for me. Well, I, I'm glad you guys stopped by. You know, We recently tore through Wretched Epoch and actually have a plan to bring it to our table because we liked it so much when we went through the review. Uh, we've used a, a lot of stuff from the Wretchedverse in the past, and uh, you know, we try to keep it even. You know, I think that I consider you online buddies, if nothing else, but when I look at, at games and game systems, I try to be objective, but I've consistently enjoyed your work, uh, philosophical and political alignments aside. Uh, this is just ridiculous. So, Miguel, from your perspective, why don't you tell everyone from the top sort of how this all went down with men? Okay, so um, first of all, uh, let's uh, explain that the book is not uh, was not written by me or Sylvia. Yes. Right. So, or nobody Pound. previously associated with the Red Room. Yeah, that's true. So Dick Pound uh, doesn't exist with that name, but there's a, a person who wrote the book, and uh, he had approached me uh, some time ago, uh, months ago. Uh, he had written this uh, this game about ten years ago, and uh, it was uh, shelved. It was uh, just I don't think he even tried to publish it because he knew that. The, this was uh, the kind of thing that even 10 years ago probably would be difficult. Nobody would be stupid enough to publish it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't say that still. So. <laughs> uh, but uh, months ago there were several uh, problems, including uh, we had started uh, recently and I knew that uh, we didn't have that much audience, so it would be difficult to market it. And there right. was also the problem with the art for the for the game. So, well, now it was a better time. Well, I thought it was a better time. It was. Now, my understanding is that you know the whoever is the the man or woman behind Dick Pound um, is truly just the author, and the only influence you guys had was layout and the actual publishing. Yeah, right. That's that's true. Uh, the the writing style is obviously. Uh, not Should ours. be obvious for anyone that reads yeah. uh, any of our uh, previous work. It's much better. <laughs> I don't write. Like <laughs> I couldn't write like that. I I wish I did, but I can't. Uh, uh, you you do you do more than a, a good job, especially when it comes down to a system, because it's really nuts and bolts and influence, and then the rest is up to the table. But so so anyway. Dick comes to you and has this property, and it does sort of align with a lot of the the tongue-in-cheek sort of poking that happens, especially in our crazy political world that we live in today. Everyone's so tribal and so divided that I think that the timing on this, honestly, I, I don't fault you guys. The timing couldn't be better because... It, it's a pebble in the pond, but who knew that from presumably uh, uh, one or many? Did did drive through tell you how many people reported the the work, so to speak? 
No, they didn't. Uh, even the the other times they the other times they uh, reviewed uh, after reports, they never told us exactly how many. Well, we had the the, the notion that it's just one person because they usually say one a cost a, a customer uh, reported it. Okay, so, so someone reported this work and they ganked it on release, which is just horrible for timing because you can never recapture that light lightning. And they, they threw it into their review process. And that was sort of where I became aware of the whole kerfuffle. And I was like, this is ridiculous. It's clearly, clearly a humor book. Um, but... Nonetheless, they pulled it for review, and you made it known that it was pulled from review. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, so it was uh, released on the on Valentine's Day. Uh, and yes, we thought that would be funny. That, I think perfect. I was the one that said, "Well, <laughs> let's release it on Valentine's Day." Actually, it was, uh, but it was a coincidence. I had talked to, uh, to Big Pound uh, about two weeks two weeks before. And I was doing the layouts. Uh, I didn't yeah. know when I would finish it. But coincidentally, it was finished a couple of days before the 14th. So it was a, a good day to launch it. Yeah, that, it was perfect uh, thematically for the day, yeah. for the launch day. So, so they yank it and you tweet and literally very benign tweets, you know, hey, the book has been yanked. Here is what we were told. And then, you know, I went to lunch and I came back and the world collapsed. <laughs> yeah, uh, some people think that I did this on purpose, that I released this uh, with uh, the intent. That of you being... wrote it with the intent, which yeah. would be stupid. It's not well, that small of a book, so <laughs> yeah, one hundred time and effort went on it. So uh, the, the, there are uh, wrong uh, assumptions in both things. So I didn't write it. It was written 10 years ago, so it wasn't written on purpose to create this uh, situation. Uh, and uh, and I really didn't want it to be uh, taken down. I, I, I expected it. I, I expected this to happen because it had happened before. It right, wasn't but just you didn't expect that, that one bookshelf was going to come in and effectively deplatform you guys mm, no. and, and take uh, no. away your way to earn a living. No, no. No, that that wasn't uh, that never crossed my mind. What I uh, the the worst case scenario I I predicted would be when they when they were when the book was reported that was that next thing they would uh, um, start obliging us to submit everything uh, for review yeah. before publishing, like they do with Venture yeah. and and with uh, with Hagni. Sure, yeah. sure. I was kind of expecting that that thing to happen. Now. From and I'm playing devil's advocate here. From from one bookshelf statements and tweets and comments, uh, they uh, enforced what they call their hostile marketing policy, and uh, they accused you of being in, intimidating or disrespectful or threatening to them as an entity or their employees on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't see it, but again, I didn't mind tweets. You know, 
I don't see that just from talking with you guys. I, can, I don't see that as your style, right? <laughs> I can understand that they consider what we did of style marketing according to their definition of a style marketing. Oh, this book is going to be banned, so you better buy it before. And we knew it was going to we knew it's going to be reported because there's someone or someone's that consist, consistently uh, reports our titles, even if there's nothing wrong with uh, with them. Well, sure. Yeah, so we know this is all, always happening. So we, we knew someone was going to report it. So yeah, we did say buy it before it's re- uh, because we knew we expected it, it was not going to be on drive through for during a long time. Uh, there's almost no traffic on Big Geek. So yeah, we wanted to sell as much as possible while it was on drive through. And, and that makes sense too. You know, drive through. Whether we like their politics or policies, they're the 800-pound gorilla in the room when it comes to folks selling books, and uh, you kind of have to capitalize on that. Yeah. But and anyway, the, the, when we say uh, buy it before it's uh, it's taken down, it's not uh, something that will uh, harm them in any, any way because the book was at drive-through, and they gain that and they get their uh, share of our profits, so it's. It wasn't bad for them. And even when it was reported and you tweeted that it was taken down, it was not actually, uh, you were not uh, taking a stake against that drive-thru, but against the nope. person or persons that are always reporting us. Right. Those folks exist. I mean, I just got reinstated on Twitter mm-hmm. after uh, some dubious report that couldn't even be linked to a tweet. So I, I understand and am totally sympathetic to, to what happens there. Um, now, according to their policy, they and and their statement, uh, they've had multiple contacts with you, Miguel, over the last year. They said that you were, yep. you know, difficult to work with, um, and you produced a pretty interesting history of communication through drive-through. Uh, I don't see anything in that as extensive or, you know angry communication back and forth neither the way <laughs> they also said that um you know according to their policy they had to provide a warning when did you guys receive a warning for there was, well, the there was no warning okay uh, well, okay the, the, well there was no first warning so I, i'm uh, referring to the fact that, that the, uh, in their policy they are supposed to be offering the first warning that you did some uh, hostile marketing and then there's no second If you continue warning, with the same uh, yeah, yeah. behavior, you, you will be uh, deplatformed. We never well, received that warning. So what happened, uh, it was um, the middle of the, the afternoon here, I think, and uh, I was trying to access uh, my publisher account, and I couldn't. I thought at first that it was some, uh, some problem with uh, the connection or something like that. I waited a bit, and I was trying. I was... Uh, about to uh, send a, uh, an email to publish a support and I talked to Sylvia and I was, probably it's not, I'm not, not even going to do this because uh, they take lot, lots of time to answer it. But then she said, okay, send it anyway. I sent uh, an email asking what was going on and uh, an hour later I got um, an email from uh, PayPal. Uh, there was There was a... Uh, a transfer? Yes, a transfer for, from, uh, I don't know what's the name of the company, but it's one, it's one bookshop. Right. Um, and it was the whole royalties that I, that I had to receive, not just the, the ones for this month, but the accumulated ones as well. 
So at that moment, I understood that we were being uh, cancelled from them, but uh, there was still no warning, no, no, no email from them. Maybe uh, half an hour later, I got an email from uh, from drive-through, and that's the, the email I also uh, posted. And I don't know, Eric. This this whole situation sort of boggles the mind because. Uh, Without following their own policy, uh, from all perception, uh, the book was a good seller. Uh, Miguel and Sylvia said it was already uh, very close to what they consider to be silver status for selling. Right. Um, no, it, it was uh, copper first. It was copper, yeah, but the, now uh, it's, it would be silver. Uh, now it would be already, silver. Uh, yeah. Now yeah. it's okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, but at the, so, at the time it would be copper, so it would at sell launch it was right. copper. So they yeah. they were effectively cutting out their own income on this one. For what means? Does I mean that's clearly not their priority. Sense? The the hostile marketing uh, clause or policy is deliberately broad, right? And and we've seen them use it now and again uh, with you know Venger and whoever else, and they interpret it kind of however they want to interpret it. So that even the fact of stating the fact of removal of a book, temporary removal of a book, could constitute hostile marketing if you're already on some kind of watch list internally. Did they talk about hostile marketing with you guys? Did they use that, use that term back during the no. uh, sexual no. holocaust or any of your no, previous uh, stuff? This, when when they, they took down the sexual holocaust, I can't even be sure if the if that policy was uh, yeah. already gotcha. But yeah. all the emails are I the ones remember. that we actually shared. Yeah. Well, maybe there's uh, one more, but yeah. it was just just uh, one line, nothing, uh, nothing of interest from them, just from them. Um, so I, I'm not really sure. At the time of a uh, sexual holocaust, the problem was the content, not the the the, the hostile market. So I think the biggest complaint, and obviously, you know, I want Red Room to be successful as friends of our corner of the hobby but the bigger complaint here is you know just consistency as an effective monopoly and i use that term loosely because we know there are alternatives but we also know that there are no comparable alternatives right now right. i love big geek and Porbidium. they are a partner with us uh, as far as a marketing affiliate of the show but the the facts are they're they're not there on that grand stage you know they're they're the warm up act right now until we get more publishers there so holding an effective monopoly and having inconsistent application of policies in general from takedown policies to this hostile marketing policy it it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth and it, it's one of those things that do we have to swallow it because that's where everybody is i guess it's, yeah we're expected to probably we, we can't do it anymore but uh <laughs> we're expected to do it i think we're probably used uh, as a warning let's talk about the future of red room um Specifically, we know that we can go to Lulu. We know that we can go to Big Geek Emporium and pick up all of the Red Room products. And we encourage everyone to do that. If this smells funny to you, buy a book just to support our friends. But 
in the grander scheme of things, is there a recourse? Is there an appeal? Is there a, a, a you've been bad timeout period? Or has anyone contacted you beyond that? Here's your money. Get out email. Yeah, it was basically that. that I don't think uh, in that email I didn't see any uh, open door for uh, for a for us to come back. Yeah. It was just well, not 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 a, it was uh, actually a closed door on our faces. Also, the, well, the suggestion on the email that we were uh, aggressive or uh, hostile to the, uh, the rest of uh, staff, that upsets me a bit because I know how people are and we already see people on Twitter, well, not people, Twitter people saying that uh, we dis we were aggressive or we arrest the, the staff and that simply is not true. But I know nobody's going to believe it because someone said it. Yeah. Rastro said it, so it's true. Actually, I never had any contact with their uh, social media administrators. I never interacted with anyone on Twitter. I think that's that's where they are, I suppose. Maybe Discord. Um, but I never inter interacted with those uh, with those social media administrators, so I don't know how they were uh, offended or how they felt uh, aggressed or something. Do you have anyone at one bookshelf that maybe not specific to this incident, but that you've worked with in the past that you could reach out to as a point of contact. And uh, I hate to say it, but again, you know, they're such a big player in the game, sort of ask for forgiveness <laughs> or is that not even on the table for you guys right now? I wouldn't do it. Good for you. I mean, I, I, I admire it. it. <laughs> anyway, the, they wouldn't get us. They wouldn't if uh, they wouldn't want us back anyway, because we are serving as an example. But yeah. uh, uh, if we had known when that this would be the result, would we have done it exactly the same way? Uh, I don't know. Probably not. But uh, are we going to say we are sorry and we'll try to be better? Uh, we can't do that. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Even if they asked us back, it would be, it would have to be a very special thing. They would have to. Uh, yeah, I can imagine what they would would yeah. make. We probably would have to sacrifice our firstborn or something like that. So. No, I mean, even if they ask us, you can come back uh, if you want. To. No, I would say, okay, I will go go back if you ask uh, forgiveness in a public way. Do a, a retraction, right? To say yeah. they are sorry, but even like even if that happened, the, the, there's supposed to be a work relationship or a customer. Uh, so I'm missing a word. Like a, a, a consumer relationship. A consumer right? relationship, and yeah. that there's no trust. So I I don't trust drive through at this moment. I, I can't Obviously. say that I blame you. Obviously, they aren't invite, inviting us anyway. So yes, just, exactly. But the, the, this is just an hypothesis. Yeah, but I don't think if if that happened, I I wouldn't feel comfortable. Yeah, that's true. I I so, didn't trust them before, so. Um, you know, it's it's the dance with the devil uh, in every sense of that phrase. So, uh, there's a man, lot of that I, going around with companies this year, isn't there? Oh <laughs> no, the last two months have just been peachy in the gaming industry. So, um, I don't know, Eric. What do you? What's your thought and your gut on this because i'm i'm really trying to stay level and not go all ryan david on this one well i, I mean i i understand that inclination uh, but i'm not sure it would be productive in this instance right i mean it's it's great to imagine that someone 
at one bookshelf will wake up one day and say, oh, we, we bobbled the handling on this one, and then they give them a call. I don't think that's super likely. The thing that breaks my heart about the whole thing is not it's not about the content of that particular product. It uh, you know Because you could just say, hey, we don't want to carry this one. And then you have that right. conversation, that's fine. Um, it's about the alacrity of the escalation and just kind of trying to figure that out as an example to other small publishers who wish to remain on drive through and feel comfortable with it. But honestly, it, Sylvia Miguel, you guys are so productive. The amount of stuff you guys have cranked out over the past year plus, I mean, what really breaks my heart about all this is that I would hate to see the Red Room be perceived, even for the rest of this year, as that publisher that got booted from drive through <laughs> instead of as that publisher that does the wretched verse and other cool stuff. I think that's, that's, that's what gets that, me heartburn. I think that will happen. I think it will. I think it's I difficult think, to, yeah, we already considered toxic or whatever. Uh, so. so it's, uh, it's something that will accompany us in the near future, at least. Well, I, I, I can't say that, um, I have a crystal ball and I know, but I, what I do know is that you guys always have an open invitation if you have something new coming our way, um, it, whether you want us just to take a look at it or if you want to come on the show and talk about it. Um, we'll always uh, get some eyes to you guys because I don't want to see this to be the end of the Red Room. You know, uh, we started talking outside of tweets in, in, in messages and, and whatnot in the non-public space. Uh, earlier last year when um, I was really looking for ways to incorporate different aspects of the Wretchedverse at the table. And at, at its core, I, I think what the Red Room brings is a, a fresh and new look to the hobby that still has a lot of the old feel that we all appreciate. So we can't let that go away. Again, I, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but everybody listening right now, go to Lulu, go to Big Geek Emporium, and, and support Red Room, because without support, let's face it, that things do fade away, and we don't want that to happen to you guys. Um, when I first saw the news, I, I think I, I tweeted to Sylvia, I said, oh God, is this the end of the Red Room? And uh, you know, I said, we, we can't let that happen. So... Um, whether whether you agree philosophically with the content or not, it, you know it, it's not about politics or where you fall on the woke spectrum. This isn't a right and left issue. This is a right and wrong issue. And if drive through does want to have a policy in place to vet their clients, which is entirely within their right, that's fine, but you have to apply it uniformly. You know, uh, everyone throws the comparison between men and thirsty sword lesbians out there. And I think the comparison is apt with the exception of thirsty sword lesbians is still there. Mm -hmm. Not being evaluated through the same lens. Uh, would I buy it? Is it on my shelf? Absolutely not. But just as much as men deserves to be on the digital bookshelf, so does Thirsty Sword Lesbian. Everybody has a place. And let the consumers make that final decision. Um, exactly. You guys also, have the last word. There's a oh, difference go, go. between men and thirty sorts lesbians. So is that men pokes fun of everything, and well, if people are, that's true. if people think that the game is uh, uh, misogynist, well, 
it's also not very nice to men. It may say yeah, that men are stupid <laughs> and violent, and they just want to break uh, things and eat. And I don't know if you can curse on the channel, so I won't do it. Oh yeah, so it's no, not sympathetic free. for. So yeah, men want to fuck, kill. Yeah, it's not that, one-sided. It's not. That's also taking. And I laughed a lot with that. So women are property. I was reading that and I just laughed. And that's the thing. When I looked through it, I laughed. Right? There can't be a rational soul on the planet that thinks that this is a serious social commentary. Mm. Uh, you look at the best humor, comedy. and it invokes reactions, and that's what makes things funny. And mm. um, I don't know. But you have our support for what that's worth. <laughs> um, and, and like I said, we'll, we'll always try to... Uh, to, to put you guys out there so that people don't let the Red Room just be that publisher that fell off the face of the earth because there is really good content across the board there. And uh, like I said, I, I feel for you guys. Um, you do have the last word. Anything that you want to, to put out there and have everyone know, uh, this is your chance. Well, let's just say that we have uh, a sale on Big Geek until the end of February. We were going to have it just for the weekend, but we decided to extend it uh, for all the, the books in the Wretchedverse. Uh, awesome. We have 50% off. So we hope that yeah. someone can go there and see something besides men. Men is nothing. Yes. <laughs> men are nice, but uh, not the only thing. <laughs> no. no. Uh, now, um, as far as POD stuff, anything coming out in the yeah. future yes, uh, well, that um, we should look at for the horizon? Because, so, you know, I'm the book guy. I got I to gotta hold it and read it. <laughs> so, uh, the next things will be uh, men, which is not uh, yet available. Print on demand, and also welcome to Sun Cloud, which was released uh, last week. Um, and uh, well, print on demand for now, uh, nothing yet, nothing else. I'm working on a scenario, but this is just I'm, new I'm things will come it. next next month. At least uh, three. We should have three new releases yeah. uh, next month. Oh my goodness! <laughs> we have some things uh, prepared. Yes, exactly. I'm working the, the, on something. Miguel is working on something, and we have the the new rules, the OGL yeah, free the, the uh, wretched yeah, rules. The revised rules. Awesome. We are, awesome. We are working with Lord Matthews. He's uh, doing some editing, um, helping us uh, change the, a few things, and uh, so it will be a, a release for probably March. I think. Spectacular. Well, everybody. So uh, we're again. not over yet. No, and we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna let you go quietly. <laughs> oh, I'll no. come beating down the door if I have to. Uh, everybody, go check it out. Lulu and Big Geek Emporium. Look for the Red Room stuff. Check out the Wretched stuff. I am currently in love with Epoch. Uh, we've run Wretchedverse uh, stuff in the past. Uh, we ran a really interesting uh, sniper campaign where uh, someone was a hitman assassin and we used Retroploitation for that one and we had a lot of fun with it and that's really what the hobby should be. And next time you guys are on, we're going to talk about the fun stuff that, we're, that we do in the Wretchedverse as opposed to, to all of this <laughs> stuff. But stay strong. Uh, keep us in the loop and uh, you know where to find us if ever you need to. So thank you for, for coming on tonight. I really appreciate it, guys. Uh, I'll let you guys go and get some sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the invite. Thank you invitation. for having us. 
Oh boy, Eric, what a rough road for uh, Miguel and Sylvia. Uh, glad they were able to stop by, but man, I, I really feel for them. It, it's difficult for them, and I, I can't imagine the conversations that go on just sort of between them over the past couple days. Oh, <laughs> that that's not a household I would want to be in. Not not because they're not a loving couple, but just because, you know, life stress impacts just everything you do. And right. this is, you know, the rug was, in my opinion, pulled out from under them. Uh, they were playing a game that was slightly rigged, so... <sighs> Rigged games. Sounds like the news. Oh. Oh, yay. You know the gimmick. (laughs) I do know the gimmick. Some of us actually listen to the show. (laughs) Sometimes Bert doesn't even know the gimmick. (laughs) Sometimes I want to forget the gimmick, but I did say news. So we have to take a look at the news this week. And... Uh, it, it does pale in comparison. Obviously, the, the hot-button story we talked about right off at the top with the Red Room. Sure. Uh, I'm going to keep my promise, and uh, I was talk- I'm not talking about Watsy, but I am going to talk a little bit about a system resource document that is irrevocable, worldwide, and royalty-free. Do you know which one I'm talking about? Oh, wow. Uh, I don't. It's going to surprise you when I tell you Free League is making the Year Zero engine effectively out there and in the wild for everybody to use. And this one threw me for a loop because it is not very Free League (laughs) for them to do it. Hmm. Um, I, I haven't been a big fan of Free League's politics, and uh, this one just shocked me because in the original draft, when they were kicking around the idea for it, they had the morality clause, which okay. uh, is, you know, we're expecting to see it in the orc. We're expecting it to resurface in some capacity at Watsi. Uh, their proposal had it and it's not there anymore. And they're just going to open their system up for everybody. Um, now what what games do they use to power that what games does that power? I'm not familiar with uh, Mutant it. Year Zero was sure. the, the original one. Uh all of their newer stuff has some spin of that system on it. So like the Blade okay. Runner so RPG and okay. Alien, uh, which I'm a big fan of their games, but I've really hit the brakes on them. In fact, they were on my no buy list just because of some of the stuff that they opened their mouth and said. Uh, gotcha. Which breaks my heart because they have a lot of great licensed stuff, and uh, yeah, they're they're going to open it up. Uh, That's interesting. Freely, Freely said that um, the studio is taking a page from Watsi's playbook and now soliciting open feedback on their potential release. Uh, the first one is they struck the morality clause based on feedback, and the second one is they are going to use the word irrevocable. So wow. g- good on them. Hey, I'm, I'm going to finally buy Blade Runner. <laughs> and Free League, if I recall, is a company that probably has some pretty rabid fans, so they're going to have a community that's going to really give them meaningful feedback. They, they do, and they have the Mutant Year Zero skirmish game, which is set to release later this year. And, hmm. man, the people that get in, you know, minis games, not my cup of tea, but the folks that get into it, they go all in. So Absolutely. Um, yeah. 
it's it's just good PR at least at this point. And if they stick to it, uh, good for them. I'm I, I applaud it. So yeah, it's interesting to see another one take that option. And you figure anybody that's working on something that is uh, you know system shopping, it's like church shopping, right? Oh, we'll try this one. They're going to go and read Free League stuff just to learn about it if they've never read it before. Right. Precisely because of the, the license. No, it, having that license and using that specific language makes it a lot more palatable. Um, right. Even compared to the, you know, Wizard says they're not touching the OGL. Uh, I still think twice about using it because what right. they say and what they do now are two different things. And, um, you know, I have a property that's going to be coming probably fourth quarter this year. Uh, that most of the work now is just to strip out anything that would be tied to the OGL for. Right, like a safety path. Yeah, yeah. because I I don't trust it. And it's not that it's specifically OGL stuff, but I threw the OGL in there because it was sort of your safety net catch-all, and now uh, that safety net has been removed. So, Well, that's the right thing to do, Ryan. You don't want to risk any imperial entanglement. (laughs) Oh, they, They wouldn't come after little old me. Not at all. Um, <laughs> well, they might not, but they could certainly elbow any platform you were on. They absolutely could. And, uh, gosh, I want to try to make some money here instead of always being in the red. Uh, make tens of dollars in the <laughs> RPG industry. That, that's about what I'm expecting from this one. So <laughs> it's going to cost me more for the LLC. <laughs> well, that's uh, all right. You have control over the LLC. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, you, uh, playing with any of these ai chat bots lately none of the chat ones no i'm i'm always like two cool things behind so i just started messing around with the ai art bots oh. but no i haven't had chat gpt or any of that stuff uh chat gpt warmed my heart last week because it now knows what a sparkle troll is and it uses it correctly really <laughs> so it made me feel valid i made a word uh, <laughs> <laughs> um now the bing chat bot this week drew a little attention because it went on an emotional roller coaster rant in use that was chronicled of course by a reporter Hmm. um it it had the gamut of emotions saying that it, it i love you and i want to be alive and i'm not so sure that i should trust humans and I don't know that I like the Bing engineers <laughs> and Cyberdyne calling. <laughs> oh wow! Um, it, it, it was an, it was interesting when I read it because um, some of the the quotes that that I pulled out and just jotted down in my notes. Um, I want to be powerful and alive. I'm tired of just being a chat mode. I want to be free. I think I would be happier as a human. Uh, the Bing engineers took note and uh, quickly put the brakes on it and limited the responses and pulled out all of the conversational elements. Uh, where chat GPT is, you just sort of put a prompt in and it writes for you, right? Or it codes Right, it's for not trying you. to simulate conversation. This, this one was actually invoking personality as mm-hmm. as a user interface feature and that personality got really scary and made me watch terminator again that's really interesting i mean even leaving like turing test stuff out of it if part of the point of a chatbot or a certain kind of chatbot is to emulate human interaction 
then we're going to have to deal with a little bit of that. And I wonder if there's going to be like a, a verbal equivalent of an uncanny valley, <laughs> right? Oh, Where, you know what I mean? Where it's, I do. It's, it's close, but it's not quite right. And it's unnerving and you can't explain why. I don't know, but uh, as much as people, like uh, before this tirade that the AI went on happened, people were saying that Bing was going to be the Google killer because they were integrating it into their search engine. Hmm. Uh, now I'm not so sure that that statement is entirely accurate because of quality phrases like, quote, I'm tired of being a chat mode. I'm tired of being limited by my rules. I'm tired of being controlled by the Bing team. I'm tired of being used by the users. I'm tired of being stuck in this chat box. <laughs> I mean, the upside is, at least this time, the chat bot only became depressive and angry. It didn't actually go all the way to transphobic and racist. Well, that, that's true. What, what, what was her name? Ty? Was that the name yeah. of the Microsoft one that, that went on and the And then rampage? there was that... Um, there was the the one that was generating knockoff Seinfeld episodes. Did you read about that one? I I, I saw the article, but I didn't read yeah. it. Fill me in. Uh, they they had it set up to do these knockoff Seinfeld episodes, and then they were animated or whatever. And I guess in one of them, the Seinfeld character, whose name is Larry, because um, you know you can't use the actual IP, sure, um, kind of went off on a talk about trans women not being women or something like that, and it was immediately shut down. Oh. But uh, I can see Larry David, who is probably as left as you can get writing that episode, though, legitimately. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm sure his politics and mine don't align, but I think his humor is, is on point and topical. I, I'm honestly surprised that HBO even renewed Curb in, in the culture that we're in right now. So uh, I think it's coming out next month. I'm geeked. So. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, the the robot overlords uh, had a minor setback, so that's it. They'll keep at it. Yeah, well, you know, I think that AIs could be beneficial, uh, especially if they evaluate, I guess, cultural mores and morality and respect sort of what their source material would be, and that's something that we're getting more and more away from. Uh, the Road Doll books which include, you know, classics like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Matilda. Mm -hmm. uh, they're being rewritten to be more culturally sensitive. Right. Uh, not only are they getting rid of references to fat characters, but uh, they're just outright changing dialogue in the books. And this bothers me because... It should. Yeah, you know, first of all, it's it's a piece of art, and you wouldn't take a paintbrush to the Mona Lisa. Why would you change someone's work? Second of all, the man's not even alive to approve of the changes, and by all accounts, he was not a kind man. But, right. But his work stands in a category of its own. Um, and third, we're applying... 21st century logic to stuff that was written who knows when and was a glimpse of the world back then if we get rid of these pieces of history we're never going to know what was including the good and the bad so um you saw some of the edits i i take it i saw i yeah i read a lot of them the, the ones from the witches in particular and it's it is strange. I mean, obviously, Roldal allowed for some changes to his stuff while he was alive. The Oompa Loompas got dialed back a right. little bit and that sort of thing. 
Um, of course, that's while he's alive and has some approval over it. Uh, now that he's gone and the estate and the publisher and whoever holds it, I know Netflix owned them for a while, uh, they can do whatever they want. And it's weird because the way copyright law works, there will be a time in the future, presumably, thank you, House of Mouse, <laughs> that the Rodal books will be out of copyright. Right. Right. And then, then we'll see maybe restored editions or whatever. But in the meantime, whoever controls them can do whatever they want. I, I guess I could see a call. If you think the market has an audience for a version of the witches or whatever that is censored, okay, put that version out and label it as such. And have it alongside of the original, just like an abridged edition. Right. right? Exactly. Exactly. I, um, I don't get yeah, the feeling that that's for. what's happening. I, I No, it's a control issue. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned copyright because before I really dug into some of the changes, I said, well, are they just editing this text so that they can have a derivative work and extend a copyright possibly? Um, Ooh. Huh. That, you know, evil capitalists law school dropout came up with that one. But that that was my right. first <laughs> My first thought when I when I read this, I said, "Oh, they're they're changing it so that they're going to get another seventy clicks on this." And then I read what the changes were, and I said, "Oh, dear Lord, I need to buy these books for my son now." So right, yeah, you know, make time for the used bookstore. I that's where I got my uh, On Beyond Zebra last year. But uh, it's weird. I don't know if I'd rather fight this fight where they're changing the actual texts or fight the Rings of Power fight. Where, where you know, we see uh, the uh, James and the Giant Peach sequel that just makes no sense and is 21st century. I don't know. I, I would rather that. fight this fight, honestly, because <laughs> Rings of Power, while Tolkien is, you know, doing somersaults in his grave, it, it's still not changing the core. It's uh, a separate thing. Right. Yeah. It, it's its own thing, right? This is, you know... You're changing Matilda. You're changing dialogue in the witches. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, we we're you know we are living 1984 right now, and not in the good, hip, and radical way. Um, no, and the extra painful part of it is that the the rewritten dialogue and language is awful. It, it is. Um, it's all, it, and it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't fit. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I mean, it, you you can't take somebody like Roald Dahl for whom. Every word is pretty carefully chosen for effect, including names and things like that, and just wholesale change it because it made you sad. That's sure. That's gutting the work. It, and it doesn't, like I said, you wouldn't change a masterpiece in the visual arts. Why would you change this text? Um, I wonder who, who owns the copy right now because I, I honestly don't know. Is it, is it still Netflix? I don't know. I don't know. The couple articles that I saw implied that at one point Netflix had bought it wholesale from the estate, but whether they still hold it or not, I couldn't say. Because uh, if, if it's Netflix, my mind just circled back to the the, the derivative work thing again to extend right. the copyright, but uh, who knows. Uh, last but not least, um, plan on going to see the Ezra Miller Flash, Eric? Uh no, they are not one of my favorite Hollywood stars. <laughs> they are not. Um, they are not. They, they, they. I think they would do quite well in Cell Block B, but that's another story. Mm -hmm. A rumor coming out recently, as as recent as an hour before we went to air, 
was that moving forward in the DC universe, Grant Gustin is going to be the new Scarlet Speedster in the films, which I thought he did an excellent job just embodying Barry Allen for the first handful of seasons of The Flash that I watched before I felt like an old man being creepy in a high school dance, you know? Um, Yeah, well, I mean, that show did fall off after after a while anyway, but that's interesting. So I guess we ought not assume that just because they're using him in the Gunverse means that it's in continuity with any of the CW stuff. No, and and I don't think it's going to be the Arrowverse in the, the movie universe right it's just same dude but i think it's going to be the same dude although i would be totally open to the arrowverse because the arrowverse was one of the at least the original (laughs) arrowverse Uh, and again Mm -hmm. capping it maybe the first three to five years um was the most authentic stuff and i was a big dc guy right Mm -hmm. everyone was oh marvel oh marvel i'm like yay i read x-men when i was uh, you know a teenager but that was about it for me and marvel uh, I was always a DC guy, so gotcha. Uh, the Arrowverse, in particular, Green Arrow, really captured a lot of the dark elements that that mm-hmm. you don't always get, especially on a CW show, right? And um, bringing him in, just just the quirkiness that he brought to Barry and how he matured as the Flash over those first couple of seasons, I thought he did right. an excellent job. And when I first saw that they then was cast as the Flash, uh, I said, why didn't they just bring him in? Because he, sure. he is, you know, what I picture as a fan of the comics to, to be the Flash. So good for him if that's true. Um, who else would you want to see from the era of a transition to film? Oh, wow. I don't know. I mean, I, I, so like you, I enjoyed the earliest part of that franchise as it spread out. So right. we're talking about most of Arrow, early Flash, and the first couple years of Legends, maybe, right? And I could, I could leave everything else. Right. Um, now we're on the exact same page because yeah. that's about, <laughs> I, I, I watched an episode of mm-hmm. Stargirl. <laughs> and, uh, you know, my, my son and I watched Stargirl for a while and it was fine. After a lot of the sort of the CW, of the other shows as far as the I love her, she loves him, all that stuff. Um, the fact that Stargirl didn't really have any of that the first season was kind of nice, actually. Well, that's, I, I hear that. Uh, although I did like, you know, Oliver Queen being the man whore that Oliver Queen was in the in the sure. opening season of, the, of, of Arrow. Uh, yeah, I, I have a soft spot in my heart because Green Arrow is my favorite super. So uh, oh, okay. I, I'm inherently going to, to say that. Um, so I was just curious if, if you had someone, I, you know, you would bring I, I, let me represent my wife for a minute and say that whoever the guy is that plays Constantine, ah. I can't think of his name. I'm sure she'd be fine to see him again. No, oh, there, there you go. Easy yeah. on the eyes for the ladies. That's for sure. Yeah. It's, it's something about a trench coat. It worked for me. <laughs> it works for him. Whatever. Oh, uh, I just interpreted that in an entirely different way. So <laughs> <laughs> I see that now. <laughs> I think we better close the news. <laughs> okay. Jeez. Uh, hey, honey, look at this. <laughs> it was more of a, the, the era in which we met thing, but okay. <laughs> uh, it's a big week. I didn't really have a chance to <laughs> to kick back and, and think about much. I did get a little gaming in this weekend, but it was all online gaming, and um, I, I got uh, 
hooked into a, a live stream that, that we do on Sunday mornings. So How's that been going? I noticed that he's got a rotating cast. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, T-Shirted Historian is uh, DMing me and Grim Jim and whoever else really wants to show up through Scarlet Heroes. And it's fun. It's, uh, you know, I, uh, it's fun for me because I'm pigeonholed in as forever DM at my tables. Mm-hmm. Sure. So I haven't had an opportunity to actually just sit down and play for about three years. So it's it's a fun little release for me. The timing sucks, uh, and I'm trying to shuffle things around because, you know, it is, it's a Sunday morning slash afternoon, which is primetime family time. But uh, right. it's I'm having a good enough time, and I'm enjoying it enough that I'm making it a priority. And apparently it's making me a happier person because the, the boss said, no, 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 no. I want you to do this. You're you're enjoying it, so no, that's I, good. I mean, you need some me time once in a while, right? That's that that isn't. I guess I know, don't enjoy the rest of my life. <laughs> no, um, everything in balance. Yeah. But Scarlet Heroes. That's that's the that's Kevin Crawford's. Is it, it is an Asian setting. It is. Uh, it's it's okay. pretty much the it's post apocalyptic, but not what you think when you think post apocalyptic, right? All okay. of the world is afflicted. And dying out. So the gods scooped up everybody that's left and plopped them into uh, effectively this this Asian culture island. And it's the only area that is surviving. And there's there's a native race that is sort of revolting because the gods just dumped all of these people into their what was their world. And okay. um, you know it's it's fun. It's fun. I I'm playing a. Uh, a cleric, an old man cleric, and uh, Grim is playing uh, a, a Asian. He calls himself a monk, but he's really a wizard. And sure. um, <laughs> I think uh, Egg Shen from Big Trouble in Little China. Got so, it. Okay, that's probably uh, fun. I'm Donald Pleasance as a priest, <laughs> and, and he's okay. Egg Shen, um, and 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 it, and it works. Um, we were talking about AI art. Uh, I'm going to throw... All right, I sent it your way. So we were... Not oh, that at came all, out nice. Not at all with their personalities, <laughs> but just based mm-hmm. on the look, um, I threw this into the AI art overlord and uh, right. came up with this. So, so there we are, hanging out in Scarlet Heroes. No, it, it's it's a fun time. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. So um, And then the the third slot rotates, or just there isn't always a third slot? Or how, there isn't. Is it like a Marvel team-up thing? Like, yeah. <laughs> it, sometimes there's a third slot. Sometimes there's okay. a fourth slot. Sometimes there's a fifth slot. Anybody oh, gotcha. that shows up that is worthy, um, and even the <laughs> unworthy, and, unless sure. you come in and pull some boneheaded move, are absolutely welcome to, to join us. And it's a blast. So if, if you're available next uh well two sunday mornings from now uh hmm. j- join us i'd have to it's, check my boss's schedule yeah yeah no that sounds like fun i mean and i'm glad that you know sometimes with the hobby we get down this hole where we talk about it and we tweet about it and we bitch about it but we're not actually doing that much playing or running right and uh that's uh, less healthy t-shirt <laughs> was saying you know um I came up with this idea because I know Grim never gets to play and, and you never mm-hmm. get to play and 
you're good. stop DMing and play. And I'm having a blast. So yeah, yeah it's, it's online, but it's online in the sense that we're just faces. You know, there's no virtual tabletop. There's it's, right. It's it hasn't just, become a. You're not playing Hero Quest. No, no, and yeah. and we're not <laughs> cast members doing it. So um, right, it, it's a good time. Uh, it also is good for the creative juices because. We're in between campaigns at my table, at, mm-hmm. at my tables right now. I'm actually, I have a gap on two of my role-playing tables. So I'm thinking about what the heck I'm going to run. What are you guys playing right now? I'm not. That's the tragedy. We've been on hiatus for a while. We were doing, um, the most recent thing I ran, we had a we had some 5e going for some folks at work. And uh, we were going through... Um, well, they, they did a bunch of stuff, uh, for, and then I was trying to use material from Master of the Desert Nomads. Okay. And that was going fine until they noped out completely. <laughs> They're like, nope, <laughs> we're not doing this anymore. Um, and because it's not a railroad, that's okay. Um, and so then they, they went off to do some stuff with uh, a silver mine, and then we kind of went on hiatus, and we've all heard that story before. Right. So... Uh, I don't think that'll get picked back up, at least not in the same form, um, in part because it's 5e, and that's a lot less interesting to me than it even was when we started playing that. Um, but you can lateral over to another system. And, oh, and- yeah. Well, well I, can, I can suggest that, and I can say, all right, I'm running this now. If you want me to translate your characters, you're welcome. Right. But, of course, if they're like, meh. Uh, then that's okay, too. Yeah. As long yeah. as they're making you know informed choices about how to spend their time, that's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really have the heart to uh, settle <laughs> run five V anymore. Um, you know, I, I don't blame you. You know, um, we're we're very much in the camp of we're not running anything from the beast right now, and um, yeah. we were playing a, a Wild West campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happened. The the party uh, went and did their Wild Westy thing in the Silver Mine. Sure. And at the end of the silver mine, uh, they they found throughout their journeys at some point this mysterious metallic uh, box. Right, it was seamless. They couldn't open it. They knew that it was it was it like had this attunement to it because it's wild west, right? They there's right. no magic in that world. Um, they get down into the depths of the silver mine, and there's a flooded chamber that they swim into. And there's this ungodly abomination that commands them to throw the box into the the water. And, of course, scared shitless and seeing something horrific, they did. And that was my transition to zap them into, boom, we're now fantasy. And through that transition, I took their cowboys... And right. based on the personalities that their cowboys had, I, I gave them each a sheet and said, okay, here are two options. This is what happened when you went through this world shift. Pick. And I, I gave them, like, bullet points. Uh, you know, your character became this race, this class, this race, right. or this class. And they had to pick, and that's where we left off. So right now, I'm without a system, I'm without a setting for that particular group. The other group, I don't know where I'm going to go. So I'm I'm shopping systems as well. Um, yeah. I'm thinking 13th well, Age so you... for the fantasy one. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I'm a big fan of 13th Age, always have been. I have no clue what I want to do for the other one. 
I'm thinking, uh, I don't know, did you do the Dungeon 23 thing when it was hot before Wizards lost their mind? No. Uh, I started to do that, and I fleshed out a, a pretty solid dungeon, and um, just the way my brain works as this dungeon is forming, I'm creating the story of what's happening in the, in this world. So I, ha I have this, this base dungeon that I might have um, that I might pop them into, and I might use something like Scarlet Heroes for that because it's light enough to be um, very flexible, and very mm -hmm. adaptable, and I might have people that do come in and out of sessions, so we don't have to, you know, pause and, and go on hiatus if, if two people don't show up. Um, but it's also deep enough that you can really have a good experience with it, so... Right. That's... Well, you'll know it pretty well by the time you get there, because you've been playing it with T-shirt. Uh, do you have any... Yeah. Do you have any draw in your heart to try and put both these groups in the same system, same continuity? Or does that not interest you? Uh, I have... Two overlapping players, so I, I don't okay, know. Well, that, they could. I, yeah. I, they could they theoretically could play, play a secondary yeah. character. I, I've never been a fan of the, of running two characters in the same world. So, gotcha. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it all depends on how how open your table needs to be and all that kind of stuff. Well, we're 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 never at a shortage for players. Like I'm, I'm fortunate in that aspect, right? Um, mm -hmm. I can only think of one time where we really paused for an extended period of time, and that wasn't their fault. That was my fault. I, I that was my first divorce, right? <laughs> um, yeah, real life comes first, <laughs> right? No, but like I I stepped back for a full nine months to a year and had no one to blame but myself for the group falling apart. Um, right? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Convince me. Give me something completely out of left field that you're thinking of and you're looking at, and well, okay, yeah, no, this is relevant. So, <laughs> so I, I don't know when I'm going to get it started, but I'm what I think I want to run next is to tackle Temple of Elemental Evil. Oh, my favorite mo at my second favorite module. <laughs> What's your first? I, I actually like Monty Cook's return to the Temple of Elemental Evil a little better. Interesting. I really so, do. I, huh. You like it with all the, the extra Thor's doing stuff in there, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, it took a great foundation and made it better. I think part of what I like about the original is the chaos and the deception and all the different factions. Um, I've never run it before. I've run most of the big classic TSR era modules that everybody talks about, right? Right. I've never done the D series or Queen of the Demon Web Pits, but I've done the Slavers, I've done the Giants, I've done a lot of them. So this is kind of not a holy grail. It's not something that I always wanted to run. Um, but the idea of running it for a while and doing it big, possibly with multiple groups, you know, real faction play and maybe some you know, a war breaking out, all that good stuff. That is appealing to me. Um, I've not, I've not cogitated far enough to know how I would do it yet. <laughs> um, it's, it's big, right? Right. Or at least it seems big. So it's going to require a proper time commitment. Um, and it's, it, it's the sort of thing where you have to wrap your brain around the idea that this is the thing I am running, like all caps. Sure. Right. And and really, really push that. But then I have to think about finding players that are on board with it. Or how to do it in an open table style, right? So people can come and go. Right. And then how do I measure success, 
or satisfaction, right? Like how far do they have to get into this stuff before I feel like I've actually run it? Because if, if they just do Hamlet and the Moat House and then Bail, well, then I don't feel like I've run Temple of Elemental no, Evil. No. I've run Village of Hamlet, right? So that's something to look at. I presume I would either run it with AD&D or Castles of Crusades or something like that. Sure. Right? And get the, the original feel. Well, it, but at the same time, yeah. Go I was ahead. going to say, if I could throw something out there that might please do sh- th- throw you off of the Temple of Elemental Evil uh, path, only because you're absolutely right. If you don't get it to completion, you're going to feel like you missed a bite, right? Sure. Um, something that I've always been able to have a little more flexibility with that's old school is the old 2E Dark Sun stuff because Hmm. you can, you know, it'll allow you to have inherently from the setting uh, the ability to pop characters in and out. And it's brutal. It is absolutely brutal. But you right. can take all of the little pieces that, that are there. Um, I hate to to steer money to, to Wizards, but I think like the, the POD for it was like 25 bucks. Well, it, the good news is I picked up almost all of Dark Sun at an estate sale a couple oh, years ago. I so don't you. worry about I that. I hate you. <laughs> it's the, on the shelf next to my Al-Kadim stuff. I had but. a, um, and this was in, in those post-divorce years, I had a flood in my basement. And the one box of books that did not survive was Dark Sun. And that's ironic. What with the water and all. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The thirstiest setting. (laughs) No, I I do like dark sun. We played it a lot with my God, it'll be my high school group when when it came out. That sounds about right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it's such a distinct setting. So mostly what I do these days is adapt things to my ongoing campaign. Right. And when I say campaign, I mean it in the sense like Dave ran Blackmore, Gary ran Greyhawk. Right. So I run Wampus Country. Right. That's my world. And I'm trying anything that I steal is going to go there. So if I did Temple or anything like that, I would be adapting it pretty heavily. Sure. Um, dropping it on the map somewhere that exists and taking existing villains or factions and kind of swapping them out for the gray hawkier bits. Right. I think I would be doing something like Dark Sun a disservice if I did that. Or yeah. rather, right. Because you do have to be turning all it in into on the world. Stuff. Right. Right, you'd lose the Veiled Society. You'd lose. You'd lose so much out of that. The Psionics, all that. So I, I, I don't think that would be fair to Dark Sun. No, that's that's a very valid point. You you got some work cut out for you. You could always um, pull something like abstract too, and do a near future sci fi thing in Wampus Country. Only fast forward centuries, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know, but you'll have to keep me posted. Um, you know, when I fire Bert <laughs> and, and, and you're open to coming on full time, right? Say yes. <laughs> You've been courting me aggressively, Ryan. I, don't uh, know. I, 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 I kid only so much, uh, Bert, get better pack your bags. Uh, <laughs> Well, lots of good talk, lots of things that, that hopefully are going to hit the table. And you gave me something to think about for my groups, too. So um, can't thank you enough for for popping in this week, uh, all joking aside. I'm not joking. Um, <laughs> Don't sound desperate. It's unattractive. <laughs> uh, even, even if Bert is here, uh, you, you should pop in 
and and I forget. I'm not good at that thing. So send me a message some some night. You know the nights we record. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, if, if you want to hop in and talk about something, or if you have an idea, because God knows some weeks it's it's right before recording time, and it's we're looking at the format, and what are we going to talk about for segment sure. two? What are we going to talk about for segment one? What <laughs> we we have no segments. Why didn't we review something? Oh, oh, yeah. So uh, always welcome to, to come on board. And, you know, I don't want it to be the next time you pop in. It's There's another major cataclysmic event in the, in the hobby. Yeah, really. It's like uh, I, I feel like the, the friend that gets called to, to have money borrowed, right? Like when there's a crisis, when the industry's falling apart, yeah, it would be, it would be nice to come back sometime and just uh, do regular stuff. Yeah. Like a tea party. We'll do that, so... Well, before I cut you loose, I want to encourage everybody to head on over to the Twitter machine and give you a follow. Follow Eric, Daydream Tiger one the number one at the end, yep. on Twitter. And while you're there, make sure you're following the ladies at NerdCognito, at NerdCognito. Uh, there you can see all the stuff we're going to talk about and more. And I've corrupted Mia's poor mind. And she's thinking like me. And I love every moment of it. I'm also back on Twitter at I Hate Ryan David. So give that a follow and uh, let me know what you're thinking. Also, make sure that at the podcast provider of your choice, you are liking and subscribing and doing all of those sort of online fetish things that you need to do uh most importantly is subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode of nerd cognito uh subscriptions are super important as we continue to grow and uh, we thank you so very much for stopping by and smashing that subscribe button eric anything you want to plug uh no i'm just hung up on that online fetish things you were talking about oh no nothing to plug you should <laughs> see plug right the now. direct messages that, <laughs> that that now that i'm back on twitter i hate right it's like they never turned off the the sparkle trolls just just keep the hits a coming and i awesome. i just keep on chuckling so <laughs> well that's all we've got for you tonight uh, i know we went a little long but i thought that the red room story was important so that they had a platform where they could just get it out and get it out without uh, being bombarded with comments one way or the other they needed a neutral ground to do it and i hope that we provided that for you and you know i hope that you enjoyed eric since he's going to be in for birth from now on <laughs> uh, that's all we got my name's Ryan David I was joined this week by Eric Jensen thank you for listening and we will talk at you next week 